Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast, where every week we post sermons from our lead pastor, Rick Shule, and guest preachers, as well as other content from church members and staff. We hope you hear something that resonates with your soul this week. Uh, All this fall, we have been in this campaign and sermon series that we've been calling Be Just, Be Kind, be humble, kind of as a response to our political climates and the political season. And I know that we're several weeks away from the election. It's in the past, but are politics ever really in the past, right? There's always a call for us to respond and live and act in our political sphere, in our political process throughout the year. It almost feels sometimes it's never ending. And sometimes we feel like, wait, we don't want politics in our faith. Now, how do faith and politics relate to one another? Sometimes it kind of puts a bad taste in our mouth if politics is addressed in the pulpit. This happened to me a little while ago in the fall of 2016. I don't know what big thing was going on in that fall, but something big was happening. And I was preaching a sermon series in August and September in the Old Testament. And I had a person in my congregation come up to me and say, Pastor, you need to, you need to knock it off. And I was like, woo, okay. You need to stop bringing Trump up in every sermon. And I was like, I've never brought Trump up in a sermon. I had no idea what she was talking about. During that time, we were in a sermon series on King Saul and King David. It had nothing to do with Trump. But we were talking about Saul and some of Saul's major downfalls. And if you don't remember the story, Saul was the first king of Israel. And King David came in after Saul. And as David, after killing Goliath, was starting to gain some popularity... Saul started to get really jealous. And some of the downfalls of Saul's kingship was his jealousy and his grab for power. He became obsessed with the people's praise of David. He heard people singing songs of David, and David's songs were better than the songs that they were singing of him, and it drove him mad. He even tried to kill David a couple of times. And as he was getting angry about losing his popularity, he started grabbing for more and more power. He started doing these military and political campaigns that were overstretching. And in their tradition, before he embarked on a battle or a military campaign, he had to stop and wait for the high priest to come and to pray and to offer sacrifices. Well, the last battle that Saul was doing, he didn't want to wait any longer for the priest to come. The priest was late, and so he said, fine, I will do it. And he took the role of priest He took the religion of a free God, a religion dedicated to the God of the burning bush, the God who does not bow down to any pharaoh or any king, the God who is above all rulers, the God who hears the cries of the people. He took that religion and he subordinated it to his political purposes. And he took the sacrifices and he said, your religion bows down to my politics. That was his downfall. And I wasn't talking about Trump then, and I'm not talking about Trump now either. (laughs) But she could not help but to hear the political implications in those sermons. And being a Trump supporter, it put her on edge. And I understand that. Because whenever we talk about genuine faith, 
there are going to be political implications. Now, I think sometimes some people, both believers and non-believers, want there to be a total separation of faith and politics. Both believers and non-believers don't think these two things should mix at all. Why? It's because their definition of faith is a little weak. Some people have this idea that faith is purely private belief what you believe in the privacy of your own home. Some people think that faith is only private belief, and so whatever you privately believe has nothing to do with me. You believe what you believe in your home, I believe in what I believe in my home, and it should not have any impact on how we live together. These people think that faith has no impact on the way we live, but that's not the faith of Scripture. That's not the faith of the Bible. In fact, in Greek, in the New Testament, the word for faith is indistinguishable from faithfulness. There are not two words for faith and faithfulness, but in the scriptures, they're the same thing. So to have one is to imply the other. Now these three things remain, faithfulness, hope, and love. If we believe, then we are going to act in a certain way. And as Christians, if we believe in a certain way, if we believe that God has called us to a certain life, then we're going to live a certain way. And if we live out our faith, it's going to affect others. It is going to be public. And therefore, it's necessarily political. It's political, but it's not partisan. Our faith is not subordinate to any nation or any party, but stands separate so that it can continue to speak, to shine, to be salty to whatever party or nation is happening. Let me go a little bit deeper. The word politics comes from the Greek word polis, which means city, but it just means an ordering or or an ordering of life, right? So everything has a politic. When Rome was colonizing the Middle East and was colonizing North Africa and much of Europe, they were trying to set up the way of Rome all across their empire. And so what they would do to to promote the politics of Rome, the way of Rome, is they would set up these gatherings or these assemblies, and these were things that, these were kind of gatherings of education and dialogue, and a way of disseminating the way of Rome, the politics of Rome. And Rome called these assemblies ecclesia, Greek for called out people, right? They are called out of Rome, and they are little outposts in all the Roman colonies to teach the people the ways of Rome. Ecclesias were happening as early as 600 BC. And so if you were a colonized group of people colonized by Rome, Rome would set up an ecclesia in your town, and you would have to go to the ecclesia to learn the ways of Rome. The Christian church started in this environment. They understood that Rome's presence was in their hometown because there was an ecclesia there. Now, the church, in every place in every town, especially at the beginning, 
took the language and the experience of the community and they adapted and subverted that language to speak about God and to organize themselves. And so the early church at this time, they said, you know what? We're a little bit like this, but a little different. And the early church, they took that word ecclesia and they said, we're going to set up our own ecclesias. We're going to set up our own communities and gatherings and assemblies in every town. And it is going to be an outpost, a, an educational center. But we're not learning the ways of Rome. We are learning the ways of heaven. We are not following the politics of the emperor. We are following the politics of God. It is a different way of living. It is a different way of ordering life. And we are going to show that this is the way that God is going to change the world by embodying God's politics in our gathering. This is what Paul means when he says that we have our citizenship in heaven and we await a Savior that comes from there. He's not saying that we all just have to hunker down and bear out our time in earth until we die and fly away back to our home. That's not what he's saying. He's adopting the analogy of Roman Empire and colonization and says, just like the Roman ecclesia down the road is an outpost of Rome and the emperor, our church is an outpost of heaven and Jesus. We have our citizenship in heaven. We are Christians, but we live in this world to help share and teach and live out the politics of Jesus. And so they started these groups that were unlike any other group. Groups full of inclusion. You didn't have to be rich. You didn't have to be poor. You didn't have to be a Roman citizen. You didn't have to be Jewish. You didn't have to be free. You didn't have to be a slave. You didn't have to be male. You didn't have to be female. All of it was welcome in these ecclesia, these Christian churches. They modeled a different politic, one full of inclusion. They modeled a different politic, one full of justice, where they gathered all of their resources, they contributed and dispersed them so that nobody was without food, so that everyone's needs were met. They gathered their resources and in their communities, they modeled a politic where there wasn't any hunger or thirst. They said in God's world, there's coming a day when there won't be hunger, thirst, pain, or sorrow. So how can we, in our gathering, live that out and show that to the world? They modeled it in the church. They modeled it in being humble as well, by listening to one another. By well, When you welcome in people of other cultures, if you're going to be a family, you can't stand on the fact that you are right and everybody else is wrong. Families don't work that way. When you gather for Thanksgiving this week, remember that. <laughs> Instead, they listen to each other and they find out from one another from their backgrounds, their perspectives, their points of view, and they hammer out some of the issues and how we are going to live. What does God's politics look like in our world? 
And they set up ecclesias, churches, outposts of God's politics in every place and everywhere they went. Until even this day, here, we here gathered are an ecclesia. We are an outpost of heaven. How we live and act and order ourselves here resembles, represents God's politics in our world where we love one another, where everybody is welcome, where everyone is valued and listened, where everyone is cared for. We contribute so that we can give and meet needs of this world. This is God's politics. We've been talking about it all month long. We call it be just, be kind, be humble. These are the politics of God, and it teaches us ways that we should live, and yes, ways that we should vote. It has political implications. What is important to God is important to us, and so we will live them out, and we will vote by them. But (laughs) this is important. Our faith, our Christianity, it must remain separate from every nation and every political party so that it retains it retains the privilege of speaking into them so that it retains the privilege of challenging them so that it retains the privilege of shining the light of being the salt once our religion gets co-opted to be subordinate to any political party or any king like Saul was trying to do, it loses its power to challenge and to speak into our world. It loses its saltiness. Jesus says, you are the salt of the world. If you're going to salt potatoes, you don't become potatoes. (laughs) If the salt becomes potatoes, then it's worthless. Ritual translation. So, it makes it better. Christians need to be involved in politics. Christians need to be involved in our government. Christians need to be involved in both parties. In our world, practically speaking, essentially, we have to vote, usually between two parties. And I'm not here to tell you how to vote, but I am telling you that when you vote... Are you representing God's politics to your political party? How are you holding them accountable? How are you challenging and speaking to them? If you are Republican, how is God's challenge to be just, humble, and kind challenging you to challenge the Republican Party? If you're Democrat, how is your faith challenging you to challenge the Democratic Party? Or... Or have we made it that our faith becomes identical with our politics and it loses its saltiness, it loses its ability to speak truth and challenge? You are the salt of the earth, but if the, saltiness loses its, if the salt loses its saltiness, it becomes worthless. Jesus said it in another way, you are in the world, but you are not of the world. You are called to remain distinct. You are called to represent God's politics into your world, but not to allow God's politics, God's way of living, Christianity, to become subordinate 
to any ruler, politician, king, government, or nation. Be wary of any pastor who tells you how to vote, but be even more wary of any politician who tells you how to live and live out your faith and believe. Instead, remain separate. Hold your identity true in Christ and what Christ calls us to do. Hold your identity true in Christ's mission, who, as we, we mentioned at the beginning of the sermon series, started out by saying that I've been anointed to preach what? Good news to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, release to the captives, liberation to the oppressed, to bring in a new era where God's way is in all things and through all things. God's politics is real. We are called to live out our faith, to impact our world, live out our faith in a way that affects others. But we are not called to subordinate our faith to any political party or government or leader. So, practice our faith. Speak into politics. Speak to our preferred political parties. But never subordinate our faith, our Christianity, our God to any political leader, lest we fall on our swords like Saul. As we wrap this up, I want to think about um, some things. As we, uh, as we wrap up this sermon and this sermon series, I want you to be thinking about these things. Let's think about justice. Let's think about God's justice and how that means to be looking out for the well-being of the least of these. In our political process, we are not called to just destroy our political opponent. We are called to make things right in this world and establish justice for those that are worst off. Second, as we think about kindness, God calls us to be kind. Do we desire good for those who hate us? That's salty. That is salty. Humble. Humility. As we think and as we run into people who think differently than us, it's not just a matter of who's more educated than who, but it is a matter of perspectives. And as we clash with people that we disagree with, can we pause for a moment and say, why am I so drawn to my side of the argument? What about it resonates with me? And why might somebody else be drawn to the other side of the argument? And why does that resonate with them? What do they bring from their background and their perspective that is different from my own? Justice, kindness, humility. Remember the neighborhood. Remember that God calls us to love our neighbors and it is in the neighborhood that dignity and community and belonging is produced at no cost. How is God calling you to love your neighbors. And then finally, faith in politics. What is the politic that God is calling us to live by? How do we remain separate from all, how is Christ's politics different and separate from all other parties? How do we remain distinct so that we retain our saltiness, our challenge, and our light? Let's take a couple of moments and think about these things. Thank you for listening to the Faith Church Podcast. If you would like to find out more about Faith United Methodist Church in Issaquah, Washington, 
visit our website at www.faithunited.org or call the church office at 425-392-0123. Have a great week.